This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field, going back Hernandez at the track, right to the wall, gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field, Guerrero lifts one to left field and gone! Otani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. This is what it's all about. Big League Baseball, packed house. Dallas Braden in the house. As we're getting ready for a little A's baseball here, as the A's are going to be taking on the Giants' interleague play. What's up, Dallas? How are we doing, Townie? See, this is the greatest thing in the world. Dallas just walked up. We fist bumped. Next thing you know, he's on the program. How's it going, man? It feels good to be out here at the ballpark again. I've missed it because it's been a while since we've been here, right? It's been an eon. I've grown a beard since we've been since we've been back. You've grown like two beards since we've been back. <laughs> it's good to have the boys home. Good to have uh, – I'm glad we got off the road on a high note. I know it's 500 at the end of the road trip. That's fine. You're yeah. off the road. Positive note. Come back in. You're going to have 30,000-plus screaming A's fans here tonight to get the Bay Bridge Series going, uh, the finale of the Bay Bridge Series. I couldn't be more excited. Yeah, I'm thinking about what this means for this team to get them back on track, and I'm tired of hearing about, oh, they got the toughest schedule other than the Padres. Great. Bring it on. Sure. This is what gets you ready for the postseason. That's it. If you're going to play bonus baseball, if you're going to play baseball in October, you want these tests throughout the season. And what better time to figure out who you are right now than rounding third in this season, heading into that September push. You need to figure out what you're not doing well. You need to figure out how to rectify that. And then you need to take all of those positive emotions, ball that up, and keep that rolling downhill on into October. You know, we're going to have Sergio Romo on in a minute. How much fun is it watch him? I'm not going to say resurrect, but keep it going at this age. He's had a phenomenal career, three World Series rings, what he did with the Giants. And the fact that you just see at some point that slider got a little tighter, the confidence with it a little bit more, that change up away to lefties. Like, you could see the confidence start to grow in him and then Bob Melvin in him. Well, I want you to ask him about some of the conversations he and I would have after he would come out of a ball game, even away from the field. And j just because there were things that I was watching, things that I was noticing. And when you know Sergio and you know what kind of competitor he is, you know how to sort of light that fire. You know how to kind of challenge him, if you will. And what he's capable of and what he's been capable of, it's just a matter of, I think, regaining that kind of confidence in yourself and your ability to go out and execute. And I would just tell him, to, to paraphrase, I would remind him of just exactly who he is, what the back of that baseball card says. They don't just misprint those numbers for anybody. You have to earn those. And I think getting back to an understanding why he's had the success he's had in the past and how he can continue to tap back into that is what's going to allow him for that phone to ring and it'd be his number that's dialed in these leveraged spots, and that's exactly what you're getting. You know, to me, what we're seeing in the evolution of velocity is that these guys are so used to night in and night out seeing 90, not even, I forget 95, it's 97, 98, 99, that all of a sudden now you bring in someone 
like Sergio or Yesmero Petit. And now all of a sudden, this guy's throwing me an 86-mile-an-hour pitch. Like, I haven't seen this since high school, right? So they're just not – you can't throw it out there a lot, but if you throw it out there at the right time, wouldn't you say that basically hitting is – you know, pitching is interrupting the timing of the hitter that – they're throwing it at a velocity they're not used to seeing. What you're paying attention to now if you're a manager and if you're front office members and your coaching staff is you're trying to figure out what the hitters that are being seen in the fifth and sixth inning, what what visual they're taking in, arm slot, velocity, pitch profile, movement, things of that nature. Why? So that when those same individuals come up in the latter portions of the ballgame, men on base, ninth inning, you're giving them a completely different look. So they have now gone visually from 97, 98, high three-quarter arm slot with arm side run, movement into a righty, sliders at 90-plus away to a righty. Now you're getting a guy in Sergio Romo who's not even going to dial up a fastball that even comes close to the velocity in which you're seeing sliders. So he's below the hitting speed, check, advantage Sergio Romo. He's got movement check advantage Sergio Romo and he's got you being aggressive in a big spot and he's going to use that against you so for me those are three strikes against the batter already in favor of a guy who you're looking at going really you're going to tell me he's going to get those outs oh yeah he's going to get them and he's been getting them and you're going to be out on your front foot swinging right over the pitch flailing <laughs> flailing you know for these starters right now when Chris Bassett goes down what's it like for these guys to look at each other and go you know what that's our leader that guy's the heart and soul of this staff. He's the longest tenured guy here. We love him to death. We now have to take it amongst ourselves to rally around Chris and do what Chris would want is for us to go out there and throw up a bunch of zeros. And he sent that message the very next day, showing up to the ballpark, right? Swollen face, just showing face, letting the guys know, hey, I'm still here. I'm still your boy. I've still got your back. And him just showing up, him just being present, Townie, I, I I know what it did for those guys. I know what it did for the entire team. And that's just an example of Chris Bassett understanding on multiple levels what he means to this club and what a small action like just showing up to the yard can do. Because to a man, each one of these dudes in the rotation that's going to be given this baseball over the next three weeks, over the next month and a half, whatever it's going to be here, they're ready. And they know what they have ahead of them. You know, I'll give the Giants credit, even to this day, where they have been the most consistent team in baseball all year long, Fangraph still has the Dodgers taking them down. <laughs> I mean, you think about that. Everything that these dudes have done. It's good to see Fangraphs is getting my payments. Good. <laughs> I mean, so it allows these guys to keep playing with a chip on their shoulder. Sure. Well, you know what? It's kind of like we see with the old team out here in the AL West as well. They've got a lot of people that are lining up trying to tell them, just how bad they are, right? The Astros have dealt with a lot of outside noise. And I think if you take take stock, feels like that's motivating them to an extent. I can understand where the Giants are coming from because nobody here in the Bay Area, nobody across baseball had this team winning 85 ball games, let alone having the best record in baseball on their way to 90 plus. So I think if you're a fan, you're excited. If you're a player, you just want to keep your head down and keep doing what you're doing because you might consider this playing with house money, but at this point, it's real. You're a good ball club, and you've got playoff aspirations. This is a sprint. 
It sure is. I mean, this is like get your track shoes on. Everybody line up. The gun's going off. We're running to the finish line. It's a three-way duel right now as it sets. You've got the Yankees. You've got the Bo Sox. You've got the Jays who are not going quietly into the night. The Seattle Mariners fancy themselves as a squad that's going to be competitive. So if you're the Oakland A's right now having just missed a gigantic window to make up ground after the Astros lose three out of four to the Kansas City Royals, you drop three out of four to the Pale Hose on the south side, come back home limping. Well, it's time to turn that around. You know, we had Darren Jackson on from the White Sox, longtime outfielder, broadcaster now uh, on Ace Cast Live, and we were talking about, you know, you can look at the Giants in the National League, and I'll throw the Brewers in there, but everybody else, especially in the American League, has just flat out been streaky. I mean, look at the White Sox going on. They win the Field of Dream game. Ah, then they go home and lose two to the Yankees. The Yankees at one point couldn't score. Mm-hmm. You know, the Yankees are winning. They're losing. I mean, everybody is streaky. It's crazy how the American League has been this year. Well, it, it really is. And it's almost like you've waited for somebody to take charge of a division, and it hasn't really happened aside from the Chicago White Sox, who feel like they had a 10-game lead after April 10th. But the Astros, again, not doing enough to create a large amount of separation between themselves and us, the Oakland A's. And you're seeing it. It's just for the Tampa Bay Rays to do what they have done and the New York Yankees still to continue to battle back. The Red Sox, the slide. I mean, it's a combination of the Sox not playing well, the Rays playing well, and it's just it's it's crazy baseball. I, I You are absolutely right when you say, Townie, it is a sprint, and we're we're lining up to get in the blocks. Let's end on this. When, when, when you came on board to do TV, it was a magical mix of Fossey, who I call the face of the franchise because he's been here for the championships and all these years as a broadcaster, and so many generations have grown up watching him ace baseball, and then the generation for you, and they grew up you watching you and, and the great things you did on the mound, and then the two of you bouncing off each other to me was magical on the broadcast. Just what does it mean to you at this point? You know he's an A's legend. As you're carrying the torch for Ray, as we all miss him and love him to death, and, you know, he comes on with me every single day here on the pregame show before he had to take leave. I mean, just what does it mean that you're carrying the torch now for the two of you? Well, I've been as lucky as an individual can be to not only have a guy like Ray Fossey call baseball games for me as a player, yeah. but then to welcome me into the fold and the family as a broadcaster and to have the opportunity to learn from somebody like him. I mean, I've had the, I, I, I've been so grateful just for him to take the time that he's taken to spend with me. I've shown up here hours early before just so I can pick his brain and go through the notebook that he has. And you've seen that, <laughs> you've seen that notebook, Downey. I mean, him and I joke a lot about Jonathan LaCroix and when he showed up here and he slapped that binder down on the table and said, you're going to listen to what I've got to say because it's, it's worth it, I promise you. That's how I look at Mr. Fossey is anytime that man is going to open his mouth and say something about the game of baseball and I'm in the same building or in the same room, I want a front row seat. And I've had that front row seat for the last five plus years. And I wouldn't be in the position I'm in to just sort of keep his seat warm right now if it wasn't for him and the time that he's taken to help groom me and bring me along. So if if you were going to tell me that I have the opportunity to show up and learn from the great Ray Fossey, the great Glenn Kuyper, we've got a, another great squad across the bay that have been lighting up baseball fans' brains for the better part of 20-plus years themselves in, in Kuype and Crook over there for the San Francisco Giants. So anybody that's got a microphone in front of them that likes baseball here in the Bay Area has had an opportunity to learn from some of the greats, and, and that's me. Well, you know, what, what, what people don't understand is 
ever since you came up as basically a kid around here, you've been traveling the country with Glenn, Ray, Vince, and Ken. I don't think people, like, understand that, like, they're on the plane. Like, even when I've been on the plane. Yeah. We've been on the plane with you guys traveling the country, being on buses, going to the going to, to the uh, hotel and then to the airport. I mean, there there gets to be that relationship. I mean, they've known you forever. Well, I mean, they've, they've watched me come up to the big leagues as a snot-nosed kid, not having any idea what to do with myself, and now here I am. Married, two beautiful children of my own. I've got a family, and they've watched that transition. They've been a part of that transition, and that's where I'm lucky is I've called these men friends for almost 20 years now, and that doesn't happen if they aren't the quality human beings they are and have brought my family and I under their arms and under their wing. Where's our all aboard next stop Poundtown T-shirts? How did we not get those? Well, uh, well, now that I now that I know we've got a request, I just dropped an entire order off for our security guards up at all the front right, gate. All right. So we'll just put it. Take we'll put, care of us last. Take care of the guys who are important, but we just make sure they filter they filter down. You just got to put an order in, Uncle Tony. <laughs> you know I got you, boys. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Anytime, big dog. Good oh, to see you guys. He's the best, Dallas Braden. You'll see him tonight here. Uh, are you on tonight? Yes, yes, I, I will be on tonight. NBC Sports California. You got it. You are the best. Come kick your feet up. Enjoy the ball game. All right, coming up next, we're going to have Sergio Romo joining us. Right now he is in the dugout as we're getting you ready for A's baseball. A's taking on the San Francisco Giants, and that is the beauty of being on the field. That is the beauty of doing the show, how we do it, that anybody can stop by at any time. Isn't that nuts? You can't book Dallas Braden. Commander Cody, <laughs> but I can book Dallas just by well, saying, come on yeah, over. Well, yeah, he walked by and he, he said his name and he just grabbed the headset and sat down. I mean, he's like that, the new Liam Hendricks. He's the new Ray Fossey right there. I mean, that's what Ray would do. He, well, actually, you would hear Ray yelling from halfway across the ballpark. Hey, Townie. Townie. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I mean, and you mentioned to Dallas about fan graphs. Uh, they have the, the Giants at 99.9% to make the playoffs, the A's at 38% to make the playoffs. Uh, the Yankees vaulting over 70% to make the, pl- the postseason now because uh, they're, they're beating up on the Orioles and the Twins and, and all these bad teams right now. So that's, that's kind of what we're seeing in the, uh, in the AL playoff picture. So are we going to do Susan here? Are we going to do Sergio? What are we going to do here? You know, let, let's, we'll do Susan because we were supposed to have Sergio, and then Pab started talking to him. So. And he's still talking to him. So. Okay, we're gonna have hold on one second. We're, Sergio Romo is gonna show up real quick. We'll get to, yeah. Well, Susan loves Sergio, so she'll be good with it. So, Sergio Romo, the three-time World Series champion, which, you know, to watch him get his thing back. You know what I mean? Watching, I mean, this guy was a World Series closer. You think how good he was in San Francisco, and. You know, as he has gotten older, you wonder, okay, what is he going to have left to provide? And what he is, what he has done is he's earned his way into being the setup man for Bob Melvin. I, you know, there, there's no question when he needs big outs with right-handed hitters, Sergio Romo is the guy who's coming in for Bob Melvin right now. He's been well. I forget what the date is. We had it earlier, but I mean, how well how well he's pitched since a certain date. It's been phenomenal. The frisbee slider. I mean, he just looks like he looks like Sergio Romo old when he pitched for the Giants those years when they won when they won the World Series. He looks like him. 
himself again, and it's remarkable. The, the guy that I thought was going to be the, the setup guy, he just he walked by. That'd be the uh, the big left hander, AJ Puck. The beard's growing in. I mean, he looks like uh, he looks like a, he looks Abraham Lincoln right now, essentially with that with the neck beard and all that. I mean, it's just it's exceptional. So maybe we're getting there with him. But yeah, I mean, the way Romo's pitching, it's it's great to see. And you know, he's it's not like he's young anymore, but it's it's great. It's what it's what the A's need. Oh, no doubt. And David Force is going to join us at 4.30. I'm just trying to think about the time that we got going here. And then Andrew Bailey, the former A's All-Star. Rookie of the year. Turned pitching coach for the San Francisco Giants. I have not talked to him in years. That was last year. We talked to him last year? During the pandemic season, yeah. We talked to him, I think, the Bay Bridge series we talked to him. Well, I haven't seen him face-to-face. Yeah, face-to-face, yeah. Since what? He was an Angels? He was the Angels, like, bullpen coach? He went from bullpen coach to pitching coach in, what, like, two years? Did we, we had him on when he was an Angel, right? I want to say I tried, and we didn't, I didn't get a chance to get him, but we had him with the, uh, when he was with the Giants last year. Yeah, I'm just going to say it has been a really long time since I've seen him. I mean, he went from being a ro- all-star rookie of the year to being, here he is now, the pitching coach of the Giants. So... It's a truly remarkable transgression for what he's done in his career. And, you, and I told you earlier, every starter on the Giants in the Giants rotation, with the exception of Logan Webb and, and a few uh, openers they've used, they've all been guys they brought in from free agency. Gosman, DiScalfani, Wood, Johnny Cueto. They're all guys that they signed as free agents, where all of the A starters, with the exception of Dalton Jeffries, have guys that have been acquired through trades. That's, I mean, you don't see that, which is great. Well, I don't know if you, people might not say it's great, but – it just shows you that you don't need to always have to draft and develop guys like the Marlins are trying to do. By the way, Jesus Lizardo has an ERA over nine, for those wondering. Well, yeah, I mean, the way teams are built today, this whole – and as I even brought the article out today, I was wondering if we were going to get to it. I don't think we're going to get to it. At some point, we do have to get to the article that is truly about – when we're talking about the CBA negotiations and the floor. And the floor that they're trying to introduce. So we have these luxury tax. Well, might as well. Let's do this. <laughs> well, you know, it was one of the saddest days when I got a phone call saying that she was going to be leaving the A's beat to go to the Giants beat. We all understand business. We all have careers. We all understand what's best for our careers. But uh, the minute you left, Susan Slusser from the San Francisco Chronicle. I became then the longest tenured person who's been around this team. Oh, wow. Is that true? I mean, we're not counting Ken Korak, obviously. No, he doesn't count. He doesn't count. He hasn't counted. No, he's just walked he by us, so he, he definitely does not count. He hasn't counted in years, for God's <laughs> sakes, Ken Korak. <laughs> yeah. I think Voos and Mickey have everyone beat for. No, I'm talking from media. Just true, media. True media people. True media. Oh, yeah, then Ken doesn't count. And even I kind of don't count now since I work for the team, but. Oh, no, you totally count. So how are you? How's it been? What's it been? We miss you. I miss everybody here. You know, it really uh, it was fun seeing everybody during spring training and then during uh, the series at Oracle Park. But I got to see being at the Coliseum really pulls at the heartstrings more. Yeah. Um, you know, I love so many of the people here. And, like, it's wonderful seeing the security staff and, you know, the behind-the-scenes people that I, I never get to see anymore because it's just a, it's a wonderful group out here. And I'm looking forward to seeing some fans. I'm thinking I'm probably going to get a little bit of grief tonight. But uh, that's okay. You're yeah. not getting grief from anybody. Yeah, Come on. Yeah, I might, I might get a little. I, I, even my friends who are A's fans give me grief. So, um, 
Uh, but it's with yeah. respect and love. It, it, I, I would hope so. But, yeah, it's been interesting over there. Obviously, they're a team that has exceeded expectations massively. Um, it's a really nice bunch. You know what this Giants team really reminds me of? And I'm not sure Giants fans would necessarily appreciate me saying this, but it reminds me of the 2012 Ace. You know, really kind of out of nowhere, putting together this solid, we're all in this together, we understand our roles. Anytime somebody goes down, somebody else comes up and, like, performs so well, you go, like, wow, how did they manage to do that? Um, I, uh, you know, some of this, I think, is to do with Farhan because he operates so similar to, to Billy. And I think they're maybe a year ahead of schedule the way that 2012 team was probably a year ahead of schedule. And they're just doing it, man. It's really, it's been interesting and it's been fun. But it is different. It is different. Both teams are really, really good, and this should be an awesome series. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, if you remember back to 2012, that was a Japan year. Yeah. And I like to tell people all the time, if you go back to the lineups, even the two starting pitchers in McCarthy and Cologne, mm -hmm. and look at the lineups from Japan and then take me to the playoffs, yeah. they're co completely two different teams. Totally. I mean, they by the uh, end of the year, it was like all rookies in the rotation because they'd had all the injuries and the Cologne suspension. McCarthy got hit in the head. I mean, that was that was a um, that was a team that really overcame a lot of obstacles. This Giants team hasn't had to deal with anything like that, and obviously, this this A's team is right now dealing with a horrific Chris Bassett injury, and that's honestly that's been more on my mind than anything else this last week when thinking about this series in particular. Uh, but uh, this Giants team has had a lot of injuries, that said, for most of the year. <laughs> I mean, they've just now, from April 21st to last week, they did not ever have their projected starting infield together. So um, they've had a lot of fairly significant players hurts for, hurt for significant chunks of time. They've got a starting pitching staff that looks a little bit tired and it's got some dings. So there are some question marks, but, man, they're still, still out in front of everybody, including the, those nasty Dodgers. They hit home runs as a group. They're second in baseball in home runs, mm -hmm. and they potentially will break the all-time team record and that's even with the year that Barry Bonds hit 73 yeah. home runs. Yeah. I mean, and we knew what was going, we knew what was being injected into people's <laughs> bodies back then. That's really impressive. Yeah, um, and it's you look across, and it's like a bunch of guys who have 10 or 15 home runs. It's not like one guy has 40 right now. You know, Brandon, yeah. Brandon Crawford has the most on the team, so it's uh, you know he's got 19. It's it's really been a, a total team effort, which again is why it just reminds me so much of that. 2012 A's team, just a full on everybody that comes up, everyone on the roster is contributing. Absolutely everybody. So do these guys still have a chip on their shoulder knowing that everybody, even though how good they have been, even I was just talking to Dallas Braden about this, Fangraph still has the Dodgers <laughs> winning the division. Do they talk about that, how still no one believes in them this late in the season? They got a chip on their shoulder? I think they like that. I certainly know Brandon Crawford likes that. He's a guy who likes playing with a chip on his shoulder. You know, he one of the reasons, not one of the reasons, you know, obviously he's a great player, has been for a long time, and a lot of his success this year has to do with these uh, massive Giants <laughs> coaching staff and the three hitting coaches. He, he credits them. But he, he told me that coming into the season, he saw an Instagram poll of which of the free agent, looming free agent shortstops, do you want your team to sign? He wasn't even listed. They went like 12 deep, and he wasn't listed. So he went in and actually added his name in the comments section. And he said he's always liked playing with a little bit of a chip. You know, he's always had to prove himself. And I think this team takes a lot of its character from Brandon Crawford. And I, I think that they are all kind of actually digging not being the favorites. And they really, I mean, 
not only were they not the favorites in the division, everybody figured it's Dodgers Padres, and then you know that's it. But I, <laughs> the Dodgers team is obviously a great team, and they added Max Scherzer, so nobody is writing them off. It's not like the Giants are going like, we've got this made. I, I think they are, you know, pretty realistic too. That's a great Dodgers team. They've got their work cut off for them. Yeah, the Padres have completely fallen off, and. You know, I think about the last time we were in San Diego for the winter meetings, and they brought Gabe Kapler over. He had just been hired. And I, I used to have Kapler when he was a Fox Sports guy. I used to have him on my talk show on 95.7. And I remember we would get into anything from baseball to nutrition. He's an interesting guy. How different day-to-day covering Bob Melvin <laughs> versus Gabe Kapler? Uh, it's very different. Uh, I have to say, now that we're off of Zooms, Gabe seems he interacts, interacts more like a normal human person. He he can chit chat. He can joke. On the zooms, he came across as a you know he can come across a little bit corporate and robotic anyway. But on the zooms, Zoom does nobody any favors at all when it comes to behaving naturally. He's much better one on one. He's starting to kind of joke around. But uh, that said, he does he he does use a lot of sort of ca- uh, corporate catchphrases and TED Talk speak and self help stuff. I actually really dig it. You know, I think it, he's really, really different. He is not your standard baseball guy. And he's really sort of, I don't know if there's, he's very sensitive to um, things like mental illness, obviously, that the Giants had Drew Robinson and at, at Sacramento and what he went through with his suicide attempt. Uh, that's something that Gabe Kapler has really stepped forward from and talks to his team to make sure, you know, that guys aren't feeling pressure. He's really, really sensitive to guys' feelings and mental state. And that's a little unusual in baseball. And um, he's big on saying, like, you know, when people call a player soft, you know, and stuff like that, he is so anti that kind of stuff. And he, it's not an old school thing, but I love it. It's a good trend. I hope it continues. And I think it's it resonates with the players. He listens to what they say. He takes um, into account what he's hearing from them on a really deep and fundamental level. I'm not saying Bob Melvin doesn't. Bob is better at that than anybody. You know, his, his emotional IQ is off the chart when it comes to dealing with just everybody in life. But um, Kapler, I think, has really um, changed since he was in Philadelphia, and I think that's a major way he did change. Well, let me tell you this. Gabe Kapler may may know more about nutrition than the team's nutritionist. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, working out and and uh, I've seen him in the outfield doing like yoga and tai chi and stuff with uh, uh, shoeless before games when there's no BP or something like on a day game after a night game. Uh, I have never seen another manager in baseball. I think I can safely say doing t- tai chi shoeless in the middle of the outfield. Well, we know how close Farhan and Billy are. How much do you still talk to Billy Bean? I talk to Billy occasionally, most, mostly about British music and soccer and stuff like that. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, – I, I keep an eye on what, what's going on over here. So, you know, we, we'll, we'll gossip a little bit. You know, there's been, there's been some stuff around this team that's been kind of interesting to talk about. There's no <laughs> question about it. Um, you've been to so many games here. When you think about it, the emotions for you – when you walk back in this building, it was your home for so many years. So many different managers, so many different players, so many good years, so many bad years. <laughs> uh, just when you walked in today, what was it like? Yeah, it was uh, It was a little weird, but the fact that we weren't on the field last year because of COVID kind of 
I don't know, almost makes it feel like it's it's not quite as jarring for me coming in here and, and being back on the field. It's been two years since I've been on the field here almost. So um, there's that. And then I worked in the press box, and I thought it would be kind of weird to not be sit- seating, seated at my old spot where I've sat forever, and I'm not. But I love it because they've got a placard there for Pedro Gomez. Yeah. So that made me smile so big. I was really happy to see that. And I'm, I am still in the actual writer's press box. So <laughs> nobody, nobody stuck me in a weird spot or <laughs> left me without a seat. So I was happy about that. And honoring Pedro Monty Moore tonight, which is oh, really special. I'm thrilled about that. I grew up listening to Monty Moore, and he's a, also a wonderful man. Um, and, and, of course, everybody knows Pedro and how, you know, he covered the A's. But he also went on to be such a trailblazing um, baseball journalist in general, but particularly for minorities, people's, people of color, and really an advocate and um, a cornerstone, a touchstone for, um, you know, pe- persons of color trying to get into the business. So uh, he's a, and a, just a special man, like a completely different outlook on, on uh, sports writing and sports casting than I think uh, is the norm. Well, now I think you're going to be... Uh is, Serg- is Sergio going to come take my spot? I think Sergio is going to Sergio is going to take your spot right now. Sergio, are you bumping me off the air? He's the only one that could do this. <laughs> oh, oh, we're going. It's it's on. It's go time. It's on. It's me versus Sergio. Yeah. If anybody could see, he's got the dance going now. Will, we're gonna we're gonna have a dance off between Sergio and Susan Slusser Sergio, right now here on Ace Cast Live. <laughs> It's absolute classic. Susan, it's great to see you. We miss you. We miss you so much. And now Sergio Romo joins us here on A's Cast Live. How are you? Hey, I'm live. Yeah, you are live. Oh, hi, everybody. Um, oh, I'm great. I'm great. BP just ended. We had optional uh, shag today, so I uh, took the option and just watched my teammates shag today. It's been a great start so far. Man, it has been a long time since <laughs> I interviewed you, and it's great to have you here. We've been waiting to have you on the program. Uh, this is where we do our show. This is our office, and uh, it, it's great to have you. And it's you know, it's been great to watch you really the way you've turned it around this season, and how you're feeling about yourself, and how Bob Melvin's feeling about you. Uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, being given the opportunity to play, you know in the place where I still consider home here in the Bay, I still make home in the city. Uh, so uh, it, it's been a blessing in its own right in that in those regards. And then being around the guys that I've been around with this year, uh, no pun on any teammates I've had before, but this group right here, they've they've given me reason to believe again, you know, and not just believe in myself or, or that anything's possible, believe that I can still compete, you know, that I still got it. And uh, I've had conversations with Dallas, uh, with Brandon yeah. uh, throughout the year, and uh, I feel that that's kind of something, you know, he's helped me with, too. You know, it's it's not reminding me of who I am, but reminding me that one of the best things that I've, you know, that I can that I bring to the table is competitiveness. And, and as long as I compete, I got a shot. And if, if I believe in my competitiveness, I believe that I can go out there and just compete at this level, then, you know, good things can happen. And that's kind of what it was, you know, it's a little little switch in the mindset and, you know, uh, here we go, having fun again. You know, what I've always loved about you, even back to your days in San Francisco, is your ability to do what you do. You know what you do. You talk about, you know, a lot of people want to compete. There's a lot of great competitors. <laughs> but you got to know what you're successful at, no matter what the guy at the plate is, right-handed, left-handed, because there's people, ah, I can't get lefties out. 
You know what you do, and you're back to doing that. Talk about that. Uh, yeah, it, that little switch in the mindset, you know, uh, it helps with the conviction. Uh, and I think n you can go out there and compete, but if you don't have that belief in yourself, that real that conviction doesn't really show. And, and for me, I don't necessarily have the stuff that, I, you know, for, that allows me to have much room for error. So uh, being convicted helps me not, you know, make so many mistakes or to limit those certain mistakes uh but having the confidence in my teammates again these guys hey you're Sergio Romo I'm like okay they're you're Sergio Romo you're this 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 and they're trying to remind me of who I am and uh and what I've accomplished in the past but also at the same time realizing that what they're reminding me of is not necessarily what I've accomplished but what I've accumulated most uh it's not money it's not fame it's not houses cars uh, sponsorships or any of that. What I've attained most and what I've accomplished and accumulated most in my career is experience. So it's using that to my advantage, understanding who I am, what I can and cannot do as well, and just refining that and just going off of that. And uh, that conviction really, really goes a long way for me. You know, you have a pitch that's very special and you've had it your entire life. And I've always marveled at it because <laughs> People need to understand, you know, when we grew up, I, I pitched in college, I was terrible, but, you know, everybody tries to throw everything hard. And your ability to make one pitch be multiple pitches, really, with, with, with you know, I talked about how sometimes it looks like a slurve, like a, a big Frisbee, and then you can make it a tight slider. You can throw it at different velocities at different times. It's just a blessing. Just talk about how you learned to do so many different things with just one pitch. Uh well, yeah, first and foremost, thanks to my grandpa and my dad. You know, they're the ones that taught me the grip that I still use to this day and, and, and the mindset with it. Uh, for me, early in my career, I, I can't tell you, I can't say that I was close to the pitcher that I am now or that I've grown to be. Uh, not a thrower, but I would go in there and they would put down a sign and I would trust Benji Molina at that point and I would yeah. trust Buster, Molina, uh, Buster Posey at that point. So, like, it's hard to not confide in those guys who are always well-prepared and knowledgeable in what they're doing. Uh, so, but... With time, Dave Rigetti, uh, Mark Garner, always in my ear telling me, hey, throw that little short one that you do and throw that big loopy one. I'm going, huh? So then I started thinking about it, like, oh, I really do do those things. Okay, how? Then that's where the refining and understanding who I am, what I can do, what I don't do as well, and then refining what I do do well with the intent to protect what I don't do as well. Velocity is not my game. So if I refine control and movement at that point, then it's going to protect my velocity to a certain extent because it's all relevant. If they're sitting on something else, then 85 to, you know, sometimes 87 here that I got <laughs> nowadays, like it, it, it doesn't necessarily register at that speed to the hitters, you know. So uh, it's just refining, staying who I am, refined who I was, who I am, staying that and just equally competitive with conviction. It's, it's I'm telling you, these, these guys' confidence that they've shown in me too, it, it, it's hard to not be upbeat and have some kind of, uh, how do you say, you know, positive mindset going into, you know, my outings. You know, the phone rings and I'm excited. Uh, here I am in season 14 and still feel like, you know, first couple of years when the phone rings and hoping that it's me going, it's me, it's me, it's me, you know, like, <laughs> like that type of stuff. So, like, it, it, this group has allowed me to have fun again and competing has really been the, the, the reason why. Well, I know they, they're saying you got to go, but we got to get more into this. We got to get more into this because this is fascinating. Hey, thank you for your time and good luck in this series. Papa, that's what's up. Everyone, take care, man. Appreciate you guys. Uh, that's great. Sergio Romo join us here on Ace Cast Live for the very first time. Thank you, Sergio. Appreciate it. We're going to have to get more into that, by the way, because it is fascinating. But now 
It is time for the General Manager Show. The General Manager of your Oakland Athletics, David Force, before we get ready for the A's and the Giants. David, how are you? That was a pretty good setup guy you had for me there, so nicely done. Yeah, we were talking to him about what, what fascinates me is how you can make one pitch multiple pitches. Mm -hmm. So the gift that he has had for a very long time is his slider. He can make it a big loopy kind of frisbee. We like to call it a slurve. He can make it more tight. He can throw it faster. He can throw it slower. To take one pitch and make it multiple pitches, and right-handed hitters have trouble hitting all of them, that's pretty special. That's how you stick around for a long time, I'm sure. 14 years. Really impressive, Sergio Romo. What he's done for you yeah. and how he's earned Bob's trust. Without a doubt. Yeah, he's been huge over the last couple of months. I mean, yeah, he'll be the first to admit he you know, got off to a little shaky start in, in April and May. But, man, when he when he finds it and locks in, he's he's hard to hit. You know, when, when you know, we got to get in, into what happened with Chris Bassett. It's just so scary. Uh, and it takes you back to what happened with Brandon McCarthy in, in 2012 and, and Nick Paparesta. And I think also with the White Sox trainer and the White Sox doctor, I think that just showed us all, you know, when something like that happens, everybody in the medical staffs, it's all about the person and helping the person because it's not very often we see EMTs come out onto the field. No, it's not. And, and you know, you, you go through a crisis like that and you sort of learn who you have running things. And, and I said this to the writers the other day. I mean, Nick is, Nick is the best. I mean, he was, he was on the mound. Within seconds, he was with Chris in the ambulance. He was with Chris's family. He was communicating with the front office and ownership. He was coordinating doctors and surgeons. I mean, um, you know, on top of that, then, you know, Mickey's coordinating transportation for everybody, getting Chris's parents there, working with the hotel. And so, I mean, you just, you know, you really appreciate the people who, who work here when you have to deal with something like that. And Chris could not have been in better hands. So when I think about Chris, and obviously with the swelling, you can't have the surgery until next week. I just, I, I don't want to say it's best case scenario, but it could have been a lot worse. And when we heard that, okay, it's some broken bones in the cheek and yeah. there's going to be a plate in there, but all that will heal. And I think for me, that was good news, knowing that could be a lot worse. A hundred percent. I think, I, I think Chris would absolutely tell you that he feels lucky that, you know, he got out of there, his eye is in great shape. Uh, the scan, you know, the brain scan showed nothing. I mean, it was it was an awful, awful thing, an incredibly traumatic thing. But but he got out of there fairly lucky, um, and he's going to have the surgery. We hope on Tuesday, and uh, take care of that fracture in his cheekbone. And um, but everything else, you know, everything heals. So that's that's the best news. And so he'll he'll remain in Chicago, surgery, and then through recovery before they'll allow him to fly 100 percent. yeah it didn't make sense to put him on a plane right now and, and like you said we have to wait for the swelling to go down he uh he saw the eye doctor again today he'll meet with the surgeon on monday and then you know like i said as long as the swelling does what they expect over the weekend have the surgery on tuesday probably have to remain there for you know 48 72 hours after surgery and and we hope to fly him back here friday or saturday next week yeah, and then, of course, he, he, he tells his fellow guys, you know, he's the leader of the staff and tells them it's time to step up, and, yeah. and, and that's kind of a, a rallying cry right now. What do you think about that for the rest of your starters after they saw that, that they know 
they've got to put more on their shoulders. For sure. And and how many times you and I talk about guys stepping up and having to fill in. And, and I think just for, for the whole group to see Chris yesterday, I know we heard after the game yesterday from Cole and from a couple of the guys about how great it was just to see Chris in person because, you know, a lot of them hadn't seen him since Tuesday night since he got carted off the field. And, you know, we'd heard the good reports and uh, a couple guys had seen pictures that weren't great from that night. But to see him come to the clubhouse yesterday still looking you know looking like he was in a fight but but yeah. kind of having his you know his personality and his mentality there and telling these guys that he's going to be fine and and like you said that it's time for everybody else to step up I think that was you know that was a big boost for everyone so this homestand you got Giants you got Mariners you got Yankees yeah Every home stands big. Every game counts. Every, you know, I try to tell everybody, hey, the games at the beginning of the year count the exact same at the end of the year. But what does this homestand mean? I mean, starting with the, the White Sox series on Monday going forward, I think we, you know, we knew we basically have the toughest schedule out there. I mean, I, I, you, you sort of line it up and we've got, you know, like you said, we got the Giants and the Yankees coming. We got the White Sox again. We got the Blue Jays. We got six with the Astros. You know, going into August, we sort of knew what we were facing, and the guys played great coming out of the shoot, winning seven in a row. You you hit a little bump there in Chicago against a really really good team. I mean, that's a good team in the White Sox. They haven't had all those guys together up until a week or two ago, and now you look at their lineup. You look at Kimbrel and Liam in the back end. That's a really good team. So. Um, we're going to see, you know, we're going to see how we stack up this weekend against team with the best record in baseball against the Yankees who are the hottest team in baseball. They've played the best, I think, since mid-July. And um, like you said, they all count the same. But we know when we get to this time of year that the spotlight is on and, and you got to win games. And we've talked about this a couple times, especially during the, the White Sox series on A's Cast Live, about how, you know, in the National League, you got Giants and Brewers have been pretty consistent. But, but in our league... Everybody's been up and down. It's been a roll. Like, yeah, somebody yeah. wins seven, then you lose four. Nobody in the American League has been consistent all year long. Just talk about how it, it's it's been a, it's basically been about streaks all season. It has. You're absolutely right. And and I mean, look, the Rays are, are sort of out there as the team that that has played the best. They've had a couple bumps in the road, but yeah. I mean, you look any week. I mean, what well, the Astros lose three out of four to the Royals this mm-hmm. week. I mean, it happens, and the Yankees have gotten hot. They obviously went through a long, tough stretch with their offense and playing around 500, but they're, they're putting things together. So it is going to be the teams that over the next six weeks play consistent baseball and, and, and frankly, win the games they're supposed to win. I mean, we all sort of look at the schedule, and you know who the teams are that aren't in the pennant race and the games you're supposed to win, and you're going to have to do that and play competitive against the tough teams. So obviously, when you trade a Jesus Lazardo, you you're saying Starling Marte's a guy that yeah you know, this is the dude right? Yeah. You're bringing in the guy. How do you project when you're bringing a guy in? How good do you think he's going to do? <laughs> and then how well and how much I should say has he exceeded your expectations? Here's the thing: you don't know what a guy can do until you see him play every day as much as we look at guys stats and metrics and analytics you know we've learned over the years until you see someone on an everyday basis you don't really know how he's able to impact a game and i i won't say that we knew when we were making plans for this trade we knew what starling could do on a day-to-day basis i i knew his history and i knew his numbers and i talked to you know people with arizona and pittsburgh who'd had him before and you get a sense 
But until you see this guy in the lineup every day and you, fe you feel what it's like every time he gets to first base, you think he's going to get to second, which he has, frankly, every, <laughs> every single time. I mean, those are little intangible things that sort of impact the feel of the club. And, and it certainly made it made an impact right when he got here. And like I said, we went on that little run. And, and then right in times like this, when you, know, you lose two out of three Rangers, you lose three out of four to the White Sox, a guy like that still has an impact to sort of bring you out of it and, and help you out. And, and obviously, we, we had guys like that. You know, Chappie and Ole can change a game with a single swing, obviously, the way they did yesterday. Um, but, man, you know, when you see Starling every day, you look at your lineup every day and see him in the two-hole, it's hard to quantify that impact. Yeah, the fact that he's getting on first base – I know I'm sitting on my couch in San Jose. I know he's going, right? You, you yeah. don't think Tony LaRusse and the White Sox? <laughs> it's like everybody knows, and he's not going to get thrown out. It's like, it's like Ricky Henderson. I don't want to compare him to Rick, but right. it's it's kind of like Ricky Henderson. It's, and it's unique in today's game because we just don't see it. I mean, I know we talk a lot around here about not stealing bases and and how we don't do it, but it it, it doesn't happen around the game that much. But you know, evidenced by the fact that he can do what he's doing now and lead the the game in stolen bases after just a two <laughs> a two week stretch. I mean, you just don't see that as part of the game that much. But when you have it as a weapon, it's really powerful and. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're lucky to have him. You know, we've had Jan Gomes on. He's very, very impressive. And, I mean, he's got the resume. He's got the ring. He's got, you know, he's – how do you plan on utilizing the catching position down the stretch? I, look, we got Jan not because Sean Murphy did anything wrong, but because we were able to solidify a, a, a piece of our team that we felt like needed an upgrade. And for Bob to have the two guys who on any given night – could be in there on any team could both be called a starter it just it just makes you that much deeper and, it, and when you've got guys banged up and tired this part of the year for Bob to have the option on any given night to put one of them in I mean the way it works out right now Jan's playing mostly against lefties Murph's playing mostly against righties and there's some mixing and matching obviously with day games and uh, and guys having more of a rapport with some pitchers, but it's just it's a nice option for Bob to have, I think, and have got both guys who study pitchers, know our guys, know what to do. It's it's really worked out well, and hopefully Murph has benefited from from the experience you mentioned that Jan has. Yeah, I think there's no question long term this is good for Sean. Yeah, you'd have to think so. I mean, because like you said, he's been around, he's been in both leagues, he's been in the postseason. All the all these little things that he brings to the table are huge. You know, I know we talked in the past about the trading deadline, how exciting it was, and no waiver wire process. No Verlander with 10 seconds left going to the Houston Astros. But now that Bassett has gotten hurt, and and, and you could be general with other teams, other people have had injuries, do you think executives around right now are kind of missing the waiver wire process? I think we've said that from the beginning when they put this, you know, put the new rules in, is that it, anything that limits, you know, or hampers our flexibility is – is not something that we would frankly vote vote in favor of. So, yeah, I think we saw it in 2019 and, um, you know, less so last year just because the season was so abbreviated. But, yeah, when you don't have the option after basically after July 30th to, to do anything significant to your club, it, it hurts. And, and you hope that you're not the team that kind of gets – left out there with, with no options, but, you know, everybody's going to have injuries the last two months of the year. It would be nice to be able to do something, but, you know, to that point, you got to build your depth and make sure you have answers in-house. 
Well, we saw with the Padres and the Dodgers, Jake Arrieta, Cole Hamels, they, they tried to take the veteran off the street, <laughs> didn't work out, both no, guys it, got hurt. Is there really anything you can do right now, you guys, front office, other than what you got in the minor leagues? Probably not. I mean, there there are some guys out there on outright waivers. Unfortunately, we lost J.B. Wendelkin that way. Um, I mean, that's the other side. The flip side of it is we don't get anything in return for a guy like JB. When you have to make a have to make a move here and designate a guy, you don't have any recourse to sort of bring back some value. So, um, no, I think look, it's fair to say the rest of the way we're dependent on the guys who are here now. Uh, obviously, you know, Paulie's in the rotation now. He came up and did a really nice job the other night in the in facing a tough lineup, and he'll get another start against Seattle next week. Um, but we're you know look. Dalton's down in AAA. Brownie's down there now. Sky Bolt's doing well. Austin Allen's swinging well. I mean, those are the guys we're going to be talking about the rest of the way. So when I think about your relationship with Farhan, how many years did you guys work together? Uh, Far was here for 10 years. It's a long time. Yeah, it, it was. And you're what, like 23? This is my 22nd season. Tw- yeah. yeah. So how's the dialogue? It's, it's like so, it was it was interesting him being with the Dodgers. Okay, but yeah. him now being with the Giants is interesting. What's the dialogue like, like between you two? It's it's more friendly and personal. We don't we don't. I mean, look, if something comes up, we'll talk shop. But um, but no, my relationship with Far is is mostly as a friend now, and we text a lot. I actually don't talk to him or see him as much as I would like to. Um, but we text a lot. He only lives a few miles away. He's in the East Bay. I don't know if Giants fans know that, but <laughs> he's living in the East Bay. Um, but no, it's it. And you know, these games we sort of stay away from each other because we're both competitive and intense, and it has nothing to do with the other guy. But I don't want to lose to these guys. That has nothing. Yeah. To, that has nothing to do with Farhan. But um, so it's it's nice having him in town. I get to see his wife and his son. And but. Um, but it's mostly just friendly at this point. I mean, you you, you even once said on the show, you hate losing in AAA to these guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's more about Sacramento than the Giants. <laughs> so when you look over at their team, I mean, obviously they, they're out of nowhere, right? I mean, it's amazing the, the year that they've had, and they're talking about breaking their all-time home record, home run record, and that was the year Barry hit 73. How much is this team built like an old-school A's team? I don't know about that. I mean, they have they have a different way of doing things. They have a little more money to spend, from what I hear. But this is, I mean, this is absolutely Farr's hard work. I mean, he's done an incredible job bringing in, you know, the starting pitchers they've brought in and hit on from Gaussman to Wood to Descalfani. I mean, they've done a great job identifying those guys. Plus, they get contributions from, from Crawford, from Longoria, from Buster. I mean, these guys have been here for a long time, and you fill in with the the, the, you know, the Stremskis, the Wades, I mean, they've just done such a great job of transacting and bringing guys in that none of it really surprises me. I mean, you, you sort of said came out of nowhere. They, they were pretty good last year. It's hard to, it's hard to say in a 60 game season, what your true talent level is. They missed, they basically missed the playoffs by one bad strike call, uh, the last day of the season. So they could have easily been a playoff team last year. And, uh, I, th- I think, you know, nobody really expected them to necessarily be ahead of the Dodgers, but I think we all knew they were going to be good this year. Cody, educate us on uh, how many uh, pitchers in this series starters were uh, drafted by the teams. Uh, so I was looking at this. Uh, <laughs> literally know. every guy in the Giants rotation, with the exception of Logan Webb, was a free agent. Cueto, DiScafani, Gossman, uh, Alex Wood, sure. Sammy Long, all guys they brought in through free agency. 
all of our starting pitchers, with the exception of Dalton Jeffries, who started this year, mm -hmm. have been through trades, which is remarkable. Yeah, that sounds right. So, I mean, you, you use your drafted guys to trade for guys, yeah. right? They use their money to sign free agents. It's, you know, it's the same game. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that like, like we're always talking about development in the draft, then you start looking around going, well, Kate Chapman and Olsen, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, Murphy's behind the plate. Yeah. Don't forget about that. I mean, but, again, when you talk about guys who are traded for, how do you get players and trades? You use the players who you draft and sign. And, and there's a long list of guys who we've drafted or signed internationally that were traded for, for Ramon or for Manaya or for Bassett or, or, you know, whoever is out there. So, um, or, or even Elvis. I mean, you trade a Jonah Heim, who we already traded for once, to get Elvis. So it's all part of the same cycle. But, yeah, look, you don't, you don't get to this point just by sitting on your drafted guys and hoping they get to the big leagues. you got to make something out of them. Well, i got to tell you, it's always great to have you every single week here for the David Ford Show. And this is going to be an exciting week, three against the Giants, two against the Mariners, four against the Yankees. And uh, we'll pop our heads up and see where the A's are. But this is going to be a lot of fun. This, well, this is why we do this, I right? Hope, I hope you guys have fun. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to have a lot of fun the next 10 days, but – Everybody else, enjoy it. You're going to be pacing that carpet in your suite? <laughs> uh, I can get my 20,000 steps for sure. <laughs> well, we always appreciate the time. You be well and be safe with the family. All right, see you guys. David Force right here, the David Force Show right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Well, I got to tell you, Andrew Bailey, it is great to see you. It has been a long, long time. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing great, man, and enjoying my time back in the Bay Area and uh, just living it up. You know, uh, when you walk back in here and you think about the success that you had as a rookie, as an all-star, what's it like for you when you come back to the Coliseum? Uh, nothing but great memories, man. Uh, my wife and I loved our time here living in the East Bay and, and going to work every day, and, and we thought about moving out here permanently and, and then obviously – you know, the course of your career changes, you get traded, but I uh, always love coming back here, and the guys always joke with me when I come back here, and, and uh, oh, the, the house that Bailey built, and I'm like, nah, far from it, but uh, no, but my my uh, my three years here, I enjoyed every single second of it. Uh, it was my first taste of the big leagues, and, and really enjoyed the the atmosphere, and just the, the team um, from from the player's perspective is just different than, than every or other organization, and uh, it's just a lot of fun. It reminds you a lot of just like that summer ball feel. You come to the yard, you do your work and you go win ball games and, and if you, you think about it here we are in 2021 nothing's changed no it's great man it's that great feel you know i love it you got some uh looks like you got some uh golden road and and you got the tree house now so yeah you got so some different places up there's this great bar that, that it looks like a tree house so yeah they, they put some money into these different decks yep so they're experimenting for when we do get a new ballpark okay. of different things to put in a new ballpark fair fair i got you so it's a I little bit different but when i think about how the clubhouse is still loose yep when you look around, there's still security people who are here when you played. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a great thing about when you come back to Oakland. It's like it's still always going to feel like home. It, it's that family, man. I, I walked in here past four or five different security guards, and, and they all say hi to me. They remember my name and the grounds crew, and uh, it's, it's, it's awesome. I, I just enjoy coming back here. And, you know, when I think about your guys' su success right now, it's been pretty incredible. I yeah. mean, you've really been the most – consistent team we were just talking with david forrest the general manager about how the american league no one's been consistent mm -hmm. you're either on a streak 
up, on a streak down. Everybody's all over the place. It's a roller coaster ride. Yeah. Talk about the consistency you guys have had in San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, I just think from from day one, guys have bought into what they're really good at, and, and we've gone out and executed on that and, and um, haven't changed much. And, and just as a coach, you know, instilling confidence in your players consistently. And, um, you know, I, I just say as many – we just want to stay out of the gutters. You know, you want to keep them in the lane, going down, moving straight as and forward as often as possible. You want to stay out of the gutters. So um, just try and try and keep guys in, in the lane and, and moving forward. And um, just the clubhouse is awesome. Cap's done a great job. Obviously, Farhan and Scott putting the roster together. It's it's a deep offensive team. And on the pitching side, we're deep too. And the acquisitions we've had the last two years have, have really um, came and been successful. What, what just floors me is the season you guys have had, and yet everybody still wants to go, ah, oh, the Dodgers. <laughs> you know, the yeah. Padres are now falling off. But yeah. everybody doesn't want to believe in you guys. Why That's is that? That's okay. That's okay. I mean, I think when, what is it, 10 or 11 straight division titles, something like that. I mean, it's it's a, it's a, it's a tough brand to, to uproot. And, um, you know, they're a great team over there. Uh, we enjoy, play, enjoy playing them. I think they bring the best out of us. And, you know, there's always that little rivalry there, and, and they've done it for so long. Um, so I, we totally understand those expectations being there on them, and we're, we're enjoying it and just, you know, just staying on the radar, doing our thing day in and day out, put our head down and go to work. You know, when I think about the technology and I think about the science that's in the game now, mm -hmm. from a pitching coach's standpoint versus when you used to throw off this mound over here, you didn't have all those cameras and all that <laughs> rap soto and that stuff. What has that been like for you going from a player to a coach and now having to use all this technology? Yeah, I, th I think for me it came at the tail end of my career uh, being in New York and, and rehabbing. Um, kind of had to re-identify myself a little bit. Um, and when I had shoulder surgery coming back, needing to know where I was at and starting to understand pitch movement and shapes and those kinds of things. So I had it at the tail of my career, and, and I would say just from that alone, um, probably got another year, year and a half, two years maybe, um, just from understanding who I was analytically and, and from, from movements and velocity and coming back from injury. And, and obviously as a coach, you know, there's, there's a fine line between it, and it's not for everybody. Uh, but having a, an understanding of who you are as a pitcher is, is your identity and, and what you do really well and, and sticking to your strengths at all costs and um, leveraging your best pitches at, at, you know, almost all the time. So um, for me, it's, it's been a little bit of a change from, from obviously from a player to a coach. And for me, um, just being that conduit of information from the analysts to what we see on the field to the player has, has been really my job and, and what I've been doing since I stopped playing. How do you know when a player really gets it? And maybe for some guys, it's just not for them. It's like, get on the mound and throw. Yeah. Like, I, how, <laughs> how, how, how do you understand which guy, who, who's it for and who's it not? Yeah, I mean, we still throw old school bullpens, what we call them, you know, no tech and just naked, go out and, and, and throw and, and get that feel back, you know. And, and sometimes you need that. Sometimes it can be a little much, um, you know, and, and you kind of know each. And the, the, the coaching foundation is, is creating relationships with players, you know, from, from Jump Street, and that's never going to change. Um, so understanding who who each player is and and what works for them, what doesn't, is is really the foundation of, of coaching and um, understanding when guys need a break from it, when guys need more, who understands it, who's too much, who's deep into information, um, who can value a little bit more. So um, there's ebbs and flows of it for each and every guy. And um, but yeah, it's absolutely a staple in what we do. You know, so we were just taking on the Chicago White Sox, right? And you threw hard back in the day. Mm -hmm. Everybody coming out of the bullpen is throwing 99 <laughs> to 100. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, 
I mean, I mean, from the sixth inning on, yeah. every guy can hit triple digits. Yeah. Just how much has velocity changed that you've seen over the years? Yeah, I mean, I got I can only imagine it stemming all the way down to high school, right? It's, you know, I mean, when I was in high school, it was 84. If you hit 85, it was like, oh, man, you know, and <laughs> you weren't going to college unless you threw 90, and now it's like 95-plus. But, uh, yeah, I was actually joking with the, the White Sox pitching coach yesterday. He was, he was our assistant last year, Ethan Katz, and – I was like, man, you guys uh, got some arms over there. So uh, when when Kimbrel's throwing the eighth for you, it's a pretty good place to be. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's nuts. It's it's a great it's great for baseball. I mean, uh, you know, Chicago White Sox. You know, it's a rich organization, and they're winning ball games right now. And um, you know, I mean, you know, root for him, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy the velocity they have over there. Yeah, Liam obviously came on this program a lot. Yeah, Liam Liam loves to talk, so we'd have him on all the time. <laughs> And it was just—it just shows you where baseball is today. Is you know, as we grew up as pitchers, our pitching coaches always told us, "Go deep in games. You yeah. want to go deep." And, and we can preach that all we want, but now we don't want our guys going through the third time through mm. the lineup. Just talk about how you want to tell your starters to think long, yeah. but you know, in the reality, the the hook's probably coming pretty quick. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think if if you look at the numbers between the third and the fourth time, you'll be astonished that the fourth time through is better than even the first and the second. So usually when guys are cruising, um, you know, the fourth time through is even better because usually there's your aces and the guys that have their stuff that day. So uh, the third time through is definitely tricky, and I think that's why Emo does an amazing job. I mean, Emo was, was my double-A pitching coach, and uh, the relationship we have and still have, and, and we're always talking in the offseason, during the season when we're playing familiar opponents, and uh, just the feel for the game is never going to get old, and, and that's one of those things you really can't, you can't quantify in-game um, yet anyway, right? Like once Hawkeye starts building up, we can, but like – I, I just think the feel for the game, understanding your pitcher, creating relationships to have that communication in game. Like, hey, how you doing? How you doing? Can you go one more? You know, I got a couple hitters left. Whatever that communication is, um, it's been great this year for us. It's been working, and uh, Cap's got a, a, an un unbelievable feel for the game on when to pull guys, when to not, and when to push, and uh, when they've had enough. Emo's got great. Dallas Braden minor league <laughs> stories. Yeah. I got great Dallas Braden big league stories. <laughs> Emo's we'll go to the treehouse for that one. <laughs> Emo's one of the best. We, we love having him on. And, and, you know, we were just talking to Susan Slusser about Gabe Kapler because I had him on at the winter meetings mm -hmm. in San Diego. But my, my old talk show mm – -hmm. And when he was on Fox Sports, I used to have him on all the time. Oh, nice. And we would talk, you know, because he was a national baseball guy. We would get into nutrition. I mean, it's like that. He's he really is. And I know I, I think he's gotten a bad rap because I think yeah. he's a fascinating guy. Oh, What's it like to work for him? Uh, it's unbelievable. Um, you know, obviously, I think he's got a bad rap too. I I've learned so much from him on on just how to be a leader. Um, you know, it's what he does day in and day out. How much he takes on his plate throughout the whole, or the whole organization is, is astonishing, um, you know, and just just respect him as a leader. It's it's unbelievable. Um, straight up conversation 24-7, not afraid to call you out, um, you know, be the, be there if you need to talk to him, and um, just a great baseball guy, and, and uh, he's got his, his, his routines and uh, everything nailed down, and um, just guys respect that. People follow the leader, and they take on who their leader is, and to me, him being so mentally strong, mm. you know, when he really, about the players' emotions and how the players are feeling, 
How much has he brought that to the Giants, this mentality and, and, and why you guys – in the end, one of the reasons why you got the best record, you're mentally tough. Yeah, for sure. And I think I think it goes back to, to what I was saying about, you know, creating relationships with guys. Um, you know, he talks a lot about anytime you remove a pitcher, anytime you pinch hit for a pitcher because of a handedness or whatever that is, that's a little bit of an ego blow to a big league player. Um, and we we pinch hit the most in, in all of baseball, and, and we're, we're not afraid to, to, to match up and let our guys go three batters and pull them. And, um, but the sustainability of that is due to the relationships that he creates with his players, and, and I think guys respect him because, for me, he's an unbelievable leader. Well, we always appreciate your time. It's great to see you yeah, again. Yeah, good to see you, absolutely. It's tough to look at you in that in that <laughs> San Francisco stuff, to be honest with you. You're always going to be an yeah, A Yeah, I, I, I love my, my time here, and, and uh, we'll see what happens down the road, you know. Hey, well, thank you so much, awesome. and good, Thanks, luck to you. good luck to you guys the rest of the way. Appreciate it. That's awesome stuff. The former All-Star for your Oakland Athletics now turned pitching coach for the San Francisco Giants, Andrew Bailey, joining us right here on A's Cast Live. Yeah, I mean, you think about Rookie of the Year, you think about how good he was, and uh, and great to see that he's turned himself into, you know, going in to be one of the best pitching coaches in baseball. I mean, he's young at it, but, you know, what he was doing with the Angels, uh, with their pitchers, and now getting that opportunity with the Giants, it's a – Pretty big deal. I have no idea what time it is. Uh, it's 5.07. Okay. I just We still got about uh, 12, uh, 13 or so minutes. I haven't taken a breath in like. It's been, a, it's been a pretty busy show. It has been a real busy show. It's been a fantastic show. That's, that's what we have. The opportunity to deliver a program that nobody else in baseball can deliver. When you look at the people that we can have live from the field at any point, whether you've booked them or not, we can have people show up and be a part of A's Cast Live. Well, it was the last, uh, wasn't, it was like two times ago we were out here, like two home stands ago when the great Scott Boris just randomly showed up. No, I mean, I booked him when we were on the field, but he ran, he came on, he called you Townie. That was the best part. <laughs> uh, there's something that has got to stop. And I don't know if it's if it's going to happen, but the solo home run's got to go. And with Seth Brown going down and Chad Pinder coming up, right? Yeah, confirmed, yes. Yeah, so. Well, I, saw, when, I saw Chad Pinder walking ground, so it's confirmed. He's here. Yeah, so 109 solo home runs are are just, it's amazing. A hundred and It's the most in baseball. It's got to be. We have, we have the most. The Twins have 108. Uh, I think the Blue Jays have 107. So the breakdown, so the Giants are a home run hitting machine. The Giants are second in baseball in home runs with 181. So you broke down the numbers. Solo home runs, the, the A's have 109. Giants have 93. Two run shots, this says a lot. A's have 33, while the Giants have 59. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. I mean that's uh that's why they score a lot of runs. That's why they that's why they're in first place. Um, the home run is why they're in first place, but not because of solo home runs. No, it's because they have guys on yeah. base. Uh, we we keep going on the breakdown. The A's have hit uh, twelve three run homers. The Giants have hit twenty three, and the A's have hit one grand slam. It was Matt Olson. The Giants have hit six. So the A's with the bases loaded are hitting a whopping two oh seven. The Giants with the bases loaded. 327 with the bases loaded. Okay. 207 with the bases loaded. 
<laughs> versus 327. Yeah, six grand slams to one grand I just, slam. I, I don't get how we are so bad with the bases loaded. Just horrible. It's, uh, I think I had the number. It's 18. The, the A's are 18 for 87 with the bases loaded. The Giants are 35 for 107 with the bases loaded. That's not good. No, that is that is that is just. I mean, not. Hit the ball in the air, put it on the ground, anything. Just, just do something. I don't care if you ground it to a double play. That still brings a run in. You know, I think I was actually on with our old uh, colleague John Lund on KMBR yesterday during the White Sox game. Oh, look at that! I could double dip. I could do two things I, at once. I heard Brody today on there, and I was like, wait. I saw. I texted our good friend Daniel Ogden over at KMBR, and I said, uh, "When's Townie going to be on?" And they, he said that Mark Willard asked you remember, and I was like. Well, when's Willard on? After the Giants game tonight, I'm like, not happening. Tony does post game. <laughs> Unless All you're right. simulcasting post game. To me, this series for the A's is going to be the old stats of you get a start, you get an A starting pitcher to go six innings. The A's are 45 and 21. You get an A starter to go seven innings. They're 21 and three. And don't get me started on eight and nine. Because if the starter goes eight innings, they're 4-0, nine innings, 2-0. To me, how deep the bullpen, how deep the starters go, less bullpen, to me, is going to dictate how this series goes. Yeah, and, you, and you're wa- the thing that you got to watch, too, with the, with the Giants, again, is, the, is they're a really good long ball hitting team, but we already know that. And their starters, the, the thing to watch with – I put it in here, and I have a lot of notes on this. Here's, here it is. Uh, Alex Wood, in the first, in the first plate appearance, first plate appearance for hitters, hitters are hitting 153 off of them with a 35.4 K rate. The second and third time through the the, order, the time they face him, their hitters are hitting 293. So you got to get to Alex Wood later in the game, but the key is getting to him early. But with the A starters, uh, I heard a, p- a caller on the post game show call him Big Game James. Already? Is this, is this yes. What, is this what we're doing? Settle. This is, settle. This is, this is what we're doing? And you know why I would never want that to happen? Is because um, you get that label, it doesn't seem to ever really work out for you. Yeah. Th- think about what happened to James Shields' career after he was named Big Game James. Um, do you remember who he was traded for? Uh, that would be a one Fernando Tatis Jr., I believe. Uh, that's correct. Uh, so James Shields. Might have heard of him. He, his career never uh, mounted out to really happen. Ain't nothing really happened after that when he went to the, the Sox on the uh, – where, where do they play again? Uh, north side or east side or west side? South side, by the way, for, uh, confirmed. I heard it from Scott Pastorino and Robert Costa. Confirmed the 46-and-a-half that we set on the uh, mentions uh, hit. <laughs> yes, if you don't know the joke, um, and I hope they're not listening up in the Bill King booth right now. I'm looking right now. Does Ken have a headset on? He'd, uh, I, see, I don't I see think Vince. Ken, Vince doesn't have a headset on. I hope they're not listening. So every single year what we do is when they go to the south side, they will say south side over and over and over again. So we always bet. How many times are they going to say the south side in a three-game series or four-game series? I set the over, over and under at what? 46 and a half. The great John Shea, one of the greatest Aztecs in the history of San Diego State, our only national baseball writer 
in the Bay Area from the Chronicle has just walked by. I mean, it's almost like it's a star-studded all day long, the people who walk by here. 46 and a half, it hit. It hit. That's, I knew it would hit. I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't get a chance to listen to every single minute, but. I wanted, I wanted to set it at like 50-something, but I thought that might be a little high. But Southside Mentions from Chicago uh, for sure was going to hit. Well, uh, that, that's good. I, I, I wanted to tell – I thought we should have asked uh, some, like, some of our guests, like uh, Dallas and, and others, uh, the question about um, the, the Reno trip and if I, if I should go or not, like we asked Scott Merkin yesterday. I, I'm, making an, I'm making an executive <laughs> decision because the flight home on Sunday night, I bought like the fifth to last ticket. There's four. I saw. I was going to call you, and I, I made a decision. After this, you're invited every year. We do it every year. <laughs> I just, knowing what I know about you when you get a few in you, I don't want to be the one that messes up the wedding before the wedding. <laughs> Is that fair? Uh, that you got to give me that. Uh, well, I mean. I was one like, bad decision, uh, and it's going to be blamed on me. Um, no, I think it would be okay. No. I, I know there's a big, day, a big deal come up in a few days after that. But anyway, I, I'm making the executive decision. Take the year, and which I, by the way, I just found out our uh, our festival in Carson City is being postponed till next year. I pulled be- the spots because of COVID. Unfortunately, we'll talk more about that later. But you know, it's going to be a great festival. It's the inaugural, so they want to do it uh, in style. And some of the bands have started to pull out, so they're like, okay, we're going to postpone it till next year. And we just found out. I mean. They're having a COVID outbreak in Nevada. And, you know, this is a good year for you to say, you know what? You're getting married the week after. It's not a week after. It's like four days. Four <laughs> days after. Just, uh, just you know, I got to fill out your thing, by the way. Really yeah, the RSVP. Yeah, we're still waiting. You still have time. It's not until due to the beginning of October. I think you need to stay here with your bride, get married, and then next year, you can come on the football trip with all my boys. I was saying because I was looking. I'm like, so why? You, like that's such a random t- day to look. And then I looked, and I'm like, oh yeah, they're playing uh, the Wolfpack. Yes, yeah, San Jose State will be playing the uh, University of Reno. And oh, when those two teams get together, it's a big game. It's a big game. So basically, my buddies, what we do is when I worked for the Raiders, we always did it during the during the bye week. But now that I don't work for the Raiders, now it's like, all right, guys, what what? And we're just you just go up and bet football and stay in the casino and the sports book all day long, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, but now Saturday we got a football game to attend at Reno. Well, and it's so what I'm saying is, is a, it's a night game not, too, right? Not to be a jerk, it's TBA, but it should be a night yeah. game. It might be snowing too. I think it's just best that you take this year off. You're invited every year, <laughs> next year, just to make sure the wedding goes off. Without any problems. Well, hopefully it's not November next year because I could be celebrating the one-year anniversary. And there could be uh, – one of her friends is getting married next November, I think, too. And it's, like, right around – I'm like, like, is this what we're doing? I'm got my one-year wedding anniversary. I'm going to have to go celebrate somebody's wedding at the same time. Well, like welcome, welcome to working in baseball. All of a sudden, when you got time, November, December, yeah. January, February, that tends to be – it's like when I did the East Coast trip, D.C., Philly, and New York for my kids – uh, yes, it was in February. Why? Because there's no baseball in February. Well, my honeymoon's supposed to be in Japan next year. So, Japan, September of next year. What time are we going to? Uh, we got a couple more minutes. You got a little buying or selling? Uh, yeah, let me get the music. Um. 
It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. All right, so let's talk about let's talk about Franny's NL East because uh, oh boy, it's a mess. Um, well, I, by the way, I did not look at the standings. Are the Braves still in first place? Yeah, correct. They are. Okay. So let's talk. Because you never know. It switches. In, in, in three days, everything can totally flip. So let's talk about the uh, NL East and the Braves. The NL, NL East is a mess. Brutal stretch for the Mets as they play 13 straight versus Dodgers, Giants, Dodgers, Giants. Uh, that's how their schedule goes. Uh, the Mets are four and six in their last ten. They're five back. The Phillies are four back and three and seven in their last ten and just got swept by the Diamondbacks. <laughs> Boy. Philly's probably burning itself to the Tory ground. Tori Lavello's guys are fighting to the end. Yeah, remember that, remember that article that uh, they put out about how strength is schedule, all the, the all these teams? Uh, yeah, well, every team ever since that happened, every team that's been bad has been winning, except for the Pirates. Uh, but that, that doesn't mean the Braves don't mean anything. The Braves have now lead the NL East at 65 and 56. They've won six straight, and they're 9-1 in their last 10. They made big moves to the deadline, getting four outfielders. Dansby Swanson has 24 homers. That's the most ever for a Brave shortstop at any period ever in a season. Beating Jeff Blauser? Yeah, that's the most ever, Dansby Swanson. Ozzie Albies had a streak of uh, uh, four, a homer in four straight games. And Austin Riley, your guy, leading the team in home runs. He has 26, and he's hitting almost 300. Buying or selling the Atlanta Braves will win the NL East. What was their lead right now? Uh, they're up by four over the Phillies and five over the Mets. Yeah, I think I, – I, I, they have finally been the team that started to break away a little bit. Yeah, I totally see that. Yeah. Hey, they, there's your good friend Gabe, Gabe Kapler. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, he's the big. I mean, I mean, he has more muscles than anyone on the field. I mean, he's, that's a fact. He's got. He's. he's that's he's, a hashtag fact. He's the most in shape guy on the field. There's no. I'm telling you, the guy knows more about nutrition than anybody else. I did a full interview with him about nutrition back in the day. The great suit. We just talk about the stars walking by. It's almost like we're at the Oscars. And we just keep talking about, you know, I mean, John Shea just walked by, Susan Slesser now. It's just, it's amazing. Uh, so I don't want to sugarcoat this, but the Mets stink, as I just mentioned. They're 16-61. Like I said, they're five, five games out of first place behind the Braves. Steve Cohen isn't happy. Here's what he tweeted. It's hard to understand how professional hitters can't can be this unproductive. The best teams have a more disciplined approach. The slugging and OPS numbers don't lie. Now, remember, he also tweeted this before the Mets lost to the Phillies and Zach Wheeler earlier this month. I visited the players in the clubhouse. They are ready and in a good frame of mind for this game. And then he also said this, education time baseball draft picks are worth five times their slot value to clubs. I never shy away from investments that can make me that type of return right after the uh, Mets didn't sign Kumar Rocker uh, right around the deadline for the signing of the draft picks. Clearly, he isn't happy and being vocal about it. Pete Alonso continues to be the voice of reason for the New York Mets as they uh, struggle. The Mets were swept in Philly, and they, well, they struggled against the Giants and the Dodgers. But Pete Alonso says he stands by everything he said about being the team leader. They've scored 457 runs this year. That's the third lowest in That's baseball. That's not a lot, because I was, I was looking at the uh, A's and Giants and where they rank in runs scored. The A's are 14th at 551. Giants are 9th at 594. And what did you say they are? 457. Oh, my God. That's terrible. Buying or selling Steve Cohen is the modern-day George Steinbrenner. Oh, we got a new boss in town? I will buy. 
And you know what? If I was a bazillion, what's he worth? Sixteen billion dollars? Yeah. I would be too. I'd be playing fantasy baseball if I was worth sixteen billion and I own a team. Well, I mean, why that, wouldn't you? That Francisco Lindor trade isn't really working out in Hembo or, or uh, Javi Baez and Javi Baez too. Well, Lindor's on the IL and a Hembo one at him on Twitter when he put that tweet out about OPS and slugging. Hembo goes, maybe you shouldn't trade for a guy that has 115 strikeouts and or 130 strikeouts and 15 walks on the year. We're at when you want to Casey. When you want to be on Casey, the great Casey Pratt. For ABC Nobody News. knows more about the stadium situation than Casey Pratt on Twitter. And you know what? He doesn't know. So that means nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> Is it ha- Do you know? Do you- yay or nay on stadium? Can you give- pick up the microphone? Can you say yay or nay on where the stadium is going to be and what year it opens up and will I be retired yet? No comment. Okay, there no. you go. I give it a good 70%, though, Townie. I love that I just guilted you guys into having You're me 70 th- on. Well, I want to have you on the show. I know. Well, we got two minutes. It's not enough time for me, boys. Well, I'm not going to – wait, Dallas Braden's wearing a giant – Get that off! <laughs> Braden, take that off! <laughs> Dallas Braden is wearing a Tim Lincecum jersey. I almost threw up in my mouth. I think he lost the bet. Oh, did he? He was also know. chirping Kapler during Kapler's pregame session. You know, Kapler well, grounded out. Yeah, he was the, the final out game. of the perfect game, yeah. Oh, that's right, yeah. the Rays. Yeah, right to Cliff Pennington the over there. Great Cliff Pennington. Right down there, right right by where we're standing, yeah. And guess who else was in the lineup that day? Um, I At- went through this lineup the one day, too. Evan Longoria. Yes, yes. Who now plays for Kapler. Time is a flat circle. Is, is Kapler playing third base right now? He was playing you know, first. He's, he's, yeah, no, he's he was playing, playing third first. base right now. I totally forgot. Oh, there he is. He's a third now. I totally forgot Kapler was the last out. He's yeah. playing third base right now. That was like the most – Puckered Cliff Pennington has ever been in his career. Can you imagine everybody's like, okay, don't hit it to me. <laughs> and he hits it right to him. That'd I'll never forget that Mother's Day. We'll never forget that. You know, I took that day off, Townie, and I went to the game. I texted HPR person and said, hey, let me get some seats. My wife and I went. I ended up sitting in the family section. I was about three seats down from Braden's grandma the whole game. And I was sitting there like, I, I noticed what had happened, like, and what was going on in about the third inning. And I was, like, into it, but I was looking at her, not knowing who she was. And I was like, man, I must be, like, a terrible fan or something. Like, because this lady is into it. And then when the final out happened, she ran down there, and that was the big emotional embrace. And I was like, oh, my God, I sat next to her the whole game. That's crazy. One thing I'll never remember, I'll never forget from that day, because my, my postgame show had to have been, like, three hours. Oh, yeah. And my wife is just blowing my phone up. We have to go to my mother's for Mother's Day. When are you gonna be home? This is ridiculous. My dad's cooking steaks. My wife was. My wife could care less about Dallas Braden in a perfect game that day. I'll never. She was writing me. I'm like, what do you want me to do? You want me to? I'll never forget that. Uh, next week. Hit me up, bro. Next week during you the Mariners series. And Cody and I, we have to talk about CM Punk too. At some yeah, point. big wrestling night tonight. A lot of wrestling. SummerSlams this weekend too. Nerd alert, nerd <laughs> alert. SummerSlam is this weekend. You're it, a big SummerSlam guy. Is this it? Are we done? Yeah, we're done. All right, that'll do it for A's Cast Live. We want to thank everybody who came on today. What? We had Sergio. We had David Force. We had Susan Slusser. We had Dallas Braden. We had Andrew Bailey, Casey Pratt for two seconds, and he will come back next week and explain to us what the heck is going on with the ballpark. <laughs> thank you for listening to A's Cast Live. I'll be back in uh, a few minutes for A's Total Access. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.